Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week, my guest is Graham Cook, who's the CEO and founder of Qubit, a data-driven marketing company. Uh, I'm going to let Graham describe a little bit more about uh, what they do. Uh, Graham, welcome to the show. Tim, great, great to be on the show. Thanks very much for having me. Qubit, yeah. we're, we're a data-driven customer experience technology, so we help uh, 300 of the largest online businesses, commerce businesses, figure out how to understand their customers and create better, more relevant experiences. Okay, well, that sounds right up our audience's alley, although I am going to ask the obvious, you know, how question. That was some great marketing speak. Uh, I'm sure you've practiced your elevator speech, uh, but uh, a little more hands-on, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll actually start with the why here, and it's really down to the fact that today's customer digital customer is no longer on that single path journey. They don't watch a TV ad and go into a shop and buy something. Instead, they're constantly engaging and disengaging with your brand every second of the day, whether it's through mobile, app, web, in the store. Really understanding your customer requires a whole new data paradigm. So we provide a platform that understands that customer across all these different digital touch points allows you to understand that customer's journey and then talk to them all the way through it. And that helps create a more enjoyable experience and drives a lot more revenue for the business. So it's really a big data problem we're solving. Okay, so this is primarily focused on e-commerce. And you, this is what uh, folks, uh, I just spoke at an NRF-related event in New York a, a little while ago, and there's, there's still a lot of talk about omni-channel. So this is that 360-degree view of your prospects and customers across all, all touch points. Exactly. I mean, omni-channel, I think we've got an interesting thing happening here, which is you've got pure play online businesses realizing they can do on, uh, offline as well, like Warby Parker. You've got traditional offline businesses that are absolutely crushing it in online, offline, click and collect. There's a company in the UK called John Lewis. And so you've got this sort of merging of the platform, but what they're all really doing is, uh, is following the user. And, uh, you know, the user isn't thinking in channels. The user's thinking, I want my product now. I want to understand where my product is. I want to research about it. And so digital is the enabler and, and, and driving change there. And, and it's really providing technology to understand that. Yeah, and if I do order it online and those shoes don't fit, I want to be able to walk into the store and uh, have you have a clue about the fact that I've transacted with you. Exactly. And that, that's the thing. I mean, I think what we're doing here, especially what we see ourselves doing at Qubit, is kind of redefining CRM and, and doing it around a real-time model around the user and wherever they are and whatever channel. My experience at Google uh, was, was building big data systems, um, same with Emre, my co-founder, and we were just trying to understand how to process literally billions of interactions a day. Kind of thought that was pretty exciting and wanted to apply it into the into the conversion rate optimization space. Okay, so let's uh, 
talk a little bit about you know the kind of data that's available. I mean, when we're talking about online, the beauty of everything we do is it's eminently trackable and very granular, and everything's being recorded. We can gather up all the little breadcrumbs and turds and actually make a, a pretty tasty dish out of it. What yeah. about offline? People just kind of fall into these gaps with the printed coupons and the in-store stuff. How do you marry those two up? Yeah, I mean, the biggest, I think the single biggest continuity between the online and the offline worlds is your, is your mobile device. I mean, we, that's, that's, it's, it's completely transformative. The fact that you probably started your shopping journey on uh, your mobile web, looking at mobile web, then you've at some point maybe decided to go into the physical store, you know, we're going to start to see a lot more ways of connecting that phone in the store to create a continuous experience. So it's almost like somebody will greet you there and say, hey, why don't you continue your shopping experience of what you started online? Just check in here with your phone, RFID, we'll connect the dots. So that's going to be the continuity. But um, in, the short, in the short run, you know, something as simple as an email address, you know, what you were logged in and using on the online world, uh, bringing that into the physical world like they do in the Apple Store with the receipt is is kind of that's the major joiner right now. Okay, but I, I'm excited about this possibility of the phone being the unique identifier. I'm sure within uh, you know five to ten years we're going to have some kind of RFID chip implanted in our left buttock, and that'll really <laughs> simplify things. You know, but <laughs> yeah. uh, well, because but the phone's with us pretty much the same amount of time, right? You wake up, the first thing you check is your phone. You go to sleep, the last thing you check is your phone, and it and you're checking it all day long, 150 touches a day on average, and that includes. In the bathroom, apparently, for 91% of millennials. Mm. I mean, I used to just, I'm a Gen Xer, so I used to just read magazines in the bathroom, yeah. but I guess, you know, <laughs> now it's phones. But so, so you're yeah. saying that that's really the thing that's always with you and uniquely identifies you. Yes, it is. And, and, and again, I mean, the, the key thing here is it's, it's, you know, this has to be customer driven. You can't, you can't create some sort of clandestine tracking methodology. That's just not going to work anymore. You need to create a methodology that the customer wants to do. There's a benefit, a very, very clear benefit. I use the, uh, the Apple store example, which is there's a benefit of you giving your email address in the store because you're going to get email the receipt. That's going to be your guarantee. It's going to tie up to your Apple ID. There's a lot of benefit there. So let me, let me kind of... Uh, unpack that for a second. So, what I in usability, we talk about certain things uh, being a forcing function. There's only one way to do things. So, for example, if you're on an emergency exit door, there's a push bar on it, right? So, you don't try to pull on the handle in case of fire. You just push in and go out, right? It forces you to interact with it in a certain way. And so, what you're saying is, in effect, we put these little tripwires or forcing functions into the customer experience that forces them to give us an email. I mean, in a subtle way, but that's really what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a huge benefit to the customer in that point. So I think I think email is an interesting continuity between all your different digital channels and offline channels. I think that's going to be, you know, a core part of it. But then I think what you're going to get in addition to that is an advancement of that which will tie into something like an RFID. And that's where you'll get something a little, a little more exciting. Okay, so and and uh, let's talk about kind of the the drawbacks of email in this context, though, because many people have multiple email addresses. I'm sure you have one just for crap and filling out forms, and when you want that white paper, but you don't want them to know who you are, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think that people will have multiple email addresses 
to a point. I mean, the spam filtering and the Gmail does a very good job of filtering all your promotions into one section and all your forum emails into another section. You know, I think as information gets filtered for us automatically, the need to have all these different touch points or, or different email addresses kind of shrinks down and a person will start to give just one address. I think that will change that. And I think ultimately the email is an ephemeral concept as an identifier. I don't think that's what we're going to be using necessarily in five years from now. I think we'll be using some other identifier. But the, the, the key concepts between a user in multiple different places looking for continuity in the digital offline world will still stand and will improve over time. It just might be your Facebook ID. Right. Well, you know, it seems like a lot of people use social login. That's very convenient, certainly on the web. But uh, handing someone your Facebook ID in a store, there's other problems with that, right? Correct. And I mean, I think, I think again, like this all boils down to your, you know, you're you're creating a trust, trust as a brand. You're creating a trust and a relationship with the customer. You're getting permission to provide more personal experience and to communicate with them. You earn that trust over time. You don't do it as the first step of communication with that customer. And that's the really important thing. You've got to understand the human nature and how to build trust and build advocacy with the customer. All right. Well, let's pick up on that after we hear from our sponsors. We'll be back in two minutes with more LPO, Landing Page Optimization. More LPO, Landing Page Optimization in just a moment. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, speaking today with my guest, Graham Cook, CEO and founder of Qubit. And before the break, we were talking about kind of earning trust. Um, 
in order to be able to ask for information from your visitors or prospects. Uh, that's very much in the Seth Godin permission marketing vein, it seems. Can you talk a little bit about how to do that or what are some do's and don'ts there? Absolutely. I mean, I think what, what underlies all of this is, is, is again, human nature. You know, we, we might live in a world now where digital is fragmented the user across lots of different channels, lots of different touch points. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, human nature is still, they're looking for information, they're looking for knowledge, they're looking to buy things, they're looking to communicate. So you need to observe, you need to, you know, absolutely acknowledge that. And the best form of really sort of building on that trust is to not bombard people. We live in a, a world of intent, attention scarcity today. So if you bombard the user, you've pretty much done the number one trust-breaking exercise. You've put them into the spam category. So that's number one. Don't break, don't break that. You know, what underpins all of this, all of your strategies for how you personalize, how you communicate, is know your customer, know whether where you are in sort of that trust status. And then you know, A-B multivariate test underlies all of this to make sure you're not pushing over, you know, the boundaries in any of these stages. So what I hear is really there's technological solutions. And yes, you know, in the very early days of the web, people used to be really excited about the opportunity to push stuff at people. And it was all about push, push, push. And that was using that old advertising model except bringing it online. And what I hear you saying is that really uh, you don't want to get in people's face too much. And a lot of the make it or break it in, in these kind of campaigns it has a lot more to do with uh, the human brain and the context that we're in and, like you say, the whole history of the relationship with that company. Absolutely. I mean, imagine if you walked into a physical store and the first thing they said to you is, hey, tell me your address. Tell me your email. Actually, give me your credit card. And you're like, I don't even know if I want to buy from you. You'd walk out of the store. You're being hassled. You, human nature is to say, I'm being hassled. I don't like this. And so digital, you know, we're living in an even uh, sort of lower patience expectation economy online, which is where users absolutely don't expect to be bombarded. You have to earn their trust, earn their right to personalize to them. And ultimately, you build that up over time. You get that right. And you transform your business. You get that wrong, and you're toast. And and that that's the world we live in. We're on every brand is on a knife edge uh, because the consumer is so impatient and uh, has the ability to badmouth them in social media and have that voice amplified. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at what's happening here, the major shift is you've you've got incredible amounts of power going to the consumer. What was in the 1960s, one TV ad, one newspaper ad, driving droves of people in to buy a Kodak camera or something like that, you know, that, that's just completely changed now. There's so much choice. There's, well, so there's many no more go. Kodak for one thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> They've gone out of business. <laughs> and that's, that's somewhat... After 100 a, years, you know, that's... Ex- and that's the expectation economy, you know, that, that is, you know, the impatience that people have, you know, for, you know, products themselves, you know, they're just no longer relevant. People will switch to the more relevant product in a heartbeat. So, okay, you so really, what are some ways to kind of earn a higher level of loyalty or is it even reasonable to expect that anymore? Yeah, I mean, the ways to do it, I mean, it, it's, it's a completely new paradigm for, for analytics. So it's a complete new, how do you segment your, you no longer can you look at things like page views and time on site and these sort of vanity web metrics. You've got to start looking at things that are much more like, okay, who are my 20 key cohorts of customers? So who are my absolute top, top VIPs? Who are my 
people who bought but didn't come back again? Who are my people I spent a ton of marketing on but never buy anything? So you create your sort of 20 cohorts and you start to analyze that. And this is a well, big cohort's a big word, but uh, you know, let's, let's break it down. Basically, you're segmenting people based on what you know about them. Exactly. So, so classic segmentation. But the, you've got to use different techniques to do that. You need to create as much knowledge about these segments as possible. So if you're only measuring things like products converted on or conversion rates or marketing channel they've come in from, you're probably not going to develop enough of an information about your segment of customer you're analyzing. But okay, so you, you have to marry that up with uh, CRMs, with what you know about their past behavior, with uh, third-party data pen perhaps from other sources. Exactly. The, more, the better picture you can create about your customer's digital journey, the more likely you're going to be able to understand. And the more likely you are to be able to understand them, the more likely you are going to be able to serve them in the way they expect. And, and, and it's permission-based as well. So this is not just about, again, this sort of clandestine tracking. You're, you're sort of you're earning the permission of the customer to share the information and to, and to ultimately create better, richer experiences. So I'm hearing this, this uh, underneath this is a notion of uh, progressive disclosure and them giving you higher-level access or access to more of their information voluntarily over time, over many interactions. Absolutely. And, and I think there's a, there's a tacit understanding to start with. So there's initial, the, the customer knows that when they use your website that you're going to understand certain things about them. So there's that initial understanding. There's something to get going with. But over time, you want to learn about their preferences. You know, are you gift shopping? When do you gift shop? Whose birthdays are you shopping for? You know, things like that. It, it's going to become much more about creating this very enriched, real-time profile that's a mix of, uh, of implicit understanding but also explicit conversational sharing with the brand that you build up over time. Well, so that's uh, – it seems like in this brave new world you're describing, the big companies have a huge advantage. Uh, they have data to work with. The smaller businesses – uh, you know, if they even try to collect this information, it's going to be too sparse or inconclusive or their segments will be too small. So this is really kind of to the advantage of the giant volume guys, isn't it? it it's really interesting. I mean, you, you're hitting on a very, very interesting uh, sort of topic here, which is, first of all, the big companies probably are missing about 85% of this data anyway. They just haven't set themselves up to track it. So well, they the might, fact that they they're might... big, dumb, and slow is a separate issue, but they're the only ones that can take advantage of it if they choose. Yeah, but the, the thing that we found, really interesting study we did, we found that actually there's better, there's more value in a, a richer, more broad profile of your active users than there is to go over reams of data from your past users. And that's an interesting sort of area because what you have essentially is your active, most recent shoppers, the people that are the, the ones that are in the mode, and you learn from them and you build around that. So actually starting with your, your current customers is, 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 uh, is the most important. Okay, well, and uh, how small of a customer base can you have? I mean, I'm not sure. Well, if you can put numbers on it, that'd be great. But, I mean, is this something that will work its way down to mid-sized companies or is it still only kind of enterprise guys uh, at the top of the Internet retailer 500 that, are, that, that can use it? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about you know, doing this at scale, building 20 different segments, and that, that, that lends itself better to the bigger enterprise IR500 type businesses. But okay. there's no reason why small businesses can't do it as well. It's just a different strategy. 
All right. Well, well, we'll come back to that after our next break. And we'll also find out about Graham's side job. Yes, indeed. He was seen in movies like Constant Gardener, What a Girl Wants, Vanity Fair. I don't know how he has the time to do that and run a company, but we'll find out in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, landing page optimization, continuing my conversation with Graham Cook, the CEO and founder of Qubit. Uh, Graham, you're a movie star, baby. Those are some wow. big movies I named before the break. How did you manage to land those starring roles? Well, not exactly starring, but I, I, over my, uh, when I was studying, over my uh, summer breaks, we, I, I actually I ran a couple of businesses, and I was, uh, I've been an entrepreneur from, from a young age. But I was looking to make a little bit of extra money, and I had a, a friend who worked, worked in the movie industry. They said, hey, do you want to you be an extra? Do you want to be a background actor? And I said, well, all right. And uh, <laughs> we, would, we would literally, we would do these, uh, I got a group of my friends together, and we did this movie called American Girl. And uh, we did about two weeks' work. I got paid what my friends were making in the entire summer break. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on, we're on to something good here. Um, and it was fun. You, you kind of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're on set. You're dressed up. You're in the background having fake conversations or real conversations kind of looking like uh, they're real and uh, you get to see a movie being made so it was a great experience hey, did you ever meet any stars in the movies yeah i mean all the stars are pretty friendly like I, I i remember my one of my favorite scenes i did was in vanity fair which had reese witherspoon in it and i was in a very small room with her and uh I, the camera was right in my face and they said uh who, who wants – it was like a Victorian uh, uh, sort of age movie. Who, who here can smoke a clay pipe? I'm like, oh, I'll smoke a clay pipe, <laughs> knowing what I was signing myself up here, which was really to smoke a clay pipe for six hours, which uh, 
was pretty much poisoning me, and I, I decided to fake smoke the pipe for a while. And then the director came out screaming at me, saying, uh, I've ruined the scene because I was pretend <laughs> smoking. And, uh, and then Reese with this one is like, can we stop with the pipe smoking? I'm like, I want to stop the pipe smoking, please. I think we're all done here with the pipe. And that was that scene done. <laughs> so Reese intervened on your behalf. Huh? Exactly, she saved the day. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, let's let's come back to um, just some quick actionable tips. So obviously, it'd be great if someone worked with you or used your technology. But what can somebody do to just kind of start playing with this or getting their feet wet? What are the you know the what's the quick checklist for um, for validating this and getting momentum behind it and support inside of your company? Yeah, like what I, what, every business I talk to has a really good knowledge of high level who their customer base is. So what I always recommend is I say go back to basic principles here. Think about who your customers are from your most important customers that you've talked to, from the tricky customers, and, and especially if you're an offline business. There are people that have figured this out. And just write up. Come up with 10, maybe 15 customer segments and just kind of talk about who they are and what they do. And, and don't think about the data, don't think about the analytics, don't think about the, tech, the tools, but think about your customers and how you'd want to talk to them and what you think their problems are, generating hypotheses, and then thinking about what you'd solve for that. And that's actually a pretty good way of coming up with a strategy um, to, to tackling this. And then the phase after that is to actually start getting into, okay, what data would we want to know about these users? How would we look this up? How would we prove that they are our most valuable segment? What is a, what is a, a VIP? Are they ones that spend at least you know thousand dollars a month with us? And you start or, to get or you can say yeah, it's like if, if, well, the five people or these I want people that have uh, bought for me at least five times, and then you look into it. And once you start poking around the data, and that's only one tenth of one percent of people, and you go, well, that's not really a segment that's big enough for me to care about, right? That kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly, exactly. And I I think what's really interesting, we found that zero point um, zero three percent of your visitors to your site make up, in some case, some cases, up to forty percent of your revenues. Wow! So hey, it's kind of like our our economy too. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like you know, the, six, the sixty wealthiest make up a yeah. third. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and and that that's long tail. I mean, I learned about long tail when I was at Google. You know, I was just amazed by the volume you get on the top keyword versus everything else, the volume you get on the top, you know, advertiser versus everyone else. Like the long tail is, you know, just everywhere in the world. The entire. Yeah, and I remember that when I, I started my first interactive agency, we did pay-per-click campaign management and all the, the big rage was, oh, you know, do this long tail keyword campaigns and yeah. uh, there's, there's a lot in that long tail. Well, you know, it's not true. It's, it's actually the rule of, of 80-20 and exactly. almost all of your value came from the obvious keywords you already had in your campaigns. Exactly. And, and that's the frustrating thing. It's like, it, you know, you have to, you know, 20% of your keywords will generate 80% of your revenue, but you still have to have a strategy for that 80%. Otherwise, you lose the 20%. So it requires more work, but less payoff. And with VIPs on your site, you, you know, really a very small percentage of your total visitors will make up a very large percentage of your revenue. If those are customers are unhappy and churning, aren't getting the relevant experiences, 
then you're going to you're going to stop growing very quickly and that that that's what you really need to focus on first yeah, so uh, i guess to bring this around to a couple of things and unite it all in one grand theme i know you know graham you we're looking forward to having you speak at our upcoming conversion conference in las vegas and to borrow a vegas analogy you know the the way those vegas casinos treat the whales they fly them in on private jets they take them to their private suites they make sure they have all of their needs catered to because those are the guys that drop the money. All you retail guys are just window dressing uh, and the whales are who they really care about. So I think the moral of this story is identify and care about your, your whales. Absolutely. You're spot on. I mean, the amount of stuff that we're doing for luxury customers like Net-A-Porte on for their VIPs, I mean, they're having huge success with that. And that it's, it's, you know, it's the same as, you, as the analogy you make there, Tim. It's really, you got to roll out the red carpet, but do it in a digital way. And, uh, you, know, you know, move beyond just sending them emails, but how do you actually communicate to them in real time across all your digital channels? Very exciting opportunities there. Well, thanks, Graham. We look forward to having you speak at the conference and uh, appreciate you being on the show. And fellow listeners, uh, we'll see you on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.